Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come here this morning, I pray that the words that I speak uh, will be from you. I pray that you would open up the hearts and the minds of everyone here, that they would be willing to hear what you have to say to them this morning. Amen. So I'm not up here very often, uh, but when I am, the hardest part often is deciding what to speak about. Sometimes there's an idea that I've been thinking about for a while. Sometimes, like this week, there's absolutely nothing. So, I pray, and there's still nothing. So then I start searching, and there's still nothing. And I even ask our kids, and the responses I get is Moses, it's a start point, or Paw Patrol. So, can I draw parallels between Ryder and his team of pups? In a sermon? Probably not. So then I talk with Teresa about it. And there's an idea that, that is in a book that they're talking about in mom's group right now. Uh, that they have been studying and she had been thinking about as well. So for all of those who were at mom's group this last week, this won't be a new thought. But this morning we'll dive a little bit deeper and focus a little bit more on life rather than parenting. This morning, we will be talking about the balance between truth and grace. In parenting and in real life, we try to achieve this balance constantly. As parents, we want to understand where our children are coming from. We want to show and live forgiveness and grace. But it can't mean that we tolerate behaviors that are unacceptable. We want to give grace and encouragement and build them up. But we also need to rely on truth to not set them up for failure. Too much grace and not enough truth can lead us to be becoming too permissive and not holding our children accountable for their actions. Or praising them with abandon for what may realistically be a mediocre accomplishment. This can set them up for failure when they realize that maybe they aren't the best artist in the world, or maybe they won't be going to the NHL, or when they don't get the highest marks in school. On the other hand, if we are too much truth and not enough grace, our children may come to feel unworthy, untalented, like they'll never be good enough. I'm really excited this morning because I think the balance between grace and truth is really important a reminder for us all because this is something we naturally drift towards. We've got to be intentional about setting the course to get the right balance. In John 1.14, it says, Jesus came full of grace and truth. But the problem is, in our lives, most of us lead towards grace or truth. Here's the reality. We need this balance, because truth without grace breeds self-righteousness and legalism. Grace, without truth, breeds deception and moral compromise. The best expression of love is found, found in the balance between grace and truth. We want to know how to live in balance between grace and truth. The truth is we are really bad at balancing this a lot of the time. We aren't very good at living in balance. Sometimes we don't offer grace to people in our lives that need it. And sometimes we don't tell people the truth of their actions. But we aren't alone. 
we aren't the first ones to be struggling with this balance. Throughout the Bible, people have struggled with balance. Maybe the one we can relate to the most is the church in Corinth. They struggled with this balance as we do. And if you read First and Second Corinthians, it probably looks pretty familiar. They struggled with very similar issues that we are facing here today. Questions about church leadership, sexual immorality, and how to live in a culture but not be influenced by the culture were just some of the issues that they were facing. They leaned towards grace and but often ignored the truth. They just kept playing the Christian card. Jesus loves me. I'm saved by grace, which is true, but then they go on to say, therefore, I can do anything I want. Do we do that sometimes? I can make a decision that serves my best interest, but may hurt another person because I'm saved by grace. I can lie to someone because I am saved by grace. I can blow up at my spouse or my family. I can cheat that person out of their money. Maybe make some questionable business decisions. I am saved by grace. I have a get-out-of-hell-free card. I can do what I want, when I want, how I want, to who I want, and I just ask for forgiveness later. And who are you to judge me? I am saved by grace. The church in Corinth lost their balance. They were full of grace, but not of truth. The church is called to be full of grace and truth. We must live in a balance between. Otherwise, we will end up in an unhealthy spot. Jesus came full of grace and truth, but we often pick grace or truth. And here's what it's looked like. On one extreme, you have grace. A lot of Christians believe it doesn't matter what the Bible says. It doesn't matter what a person does or doesn't do. It doesn't matter how a person chooses to live their life. Because at the end of the day, there's grace. A lot of people believe that God is so loving, so forgiving, that the truth doesn't matter anymore. Or at least matter enough for me to change the way that I am living. Here's what a lot of people say. I don't care what the Bible says. I don't care what God says is better. I'm going to do what I want, and I hope, in the end, grace lets me get away with it. It's all grace and no truth, no balance. Now, here's the flip side. A lot of people look at what Jesus said is truth and focus only on that. Here's what the Bible says about truth. Here's what God says is the best way. So many people take these truths and load them up, and then they fire them on unsuspecting people. They condemn others based upon the truth that they found in the Bible. They use truth to tear others down. But in that process, they often tear themselves down. A lot of people believe that if you don't live by that truth, God will see through your little charade and see that you're a fake and you don't get any grace because you were never a Christian to begin with. Every time you make a mistake, every time you sin, every night you lay your head down and you wonder if you're saved. I messed up last night. Maybe my salvation's in question. Maybe I don't have grace because I was never saved in the first place. It's all truth and no grace, no balance. 
Fortunately, Jesus doesn't teach either of those extremes. The church that Jesus came to establish isn't found in either of these extremes. It's in the middle. It's not either or, it's both. It's grace and truth. The church needs balance. If the balance is missing, the church is lacking. We're going to look today at a story of Jesus, and I think it best illustrates how Jesus was full of truth and grace. So if you want to turn in your Bibles to John 8, that is where we're going to start. Let me set the scene a little bit. Jesus is teaching a group of people at the temple when all of a sudden a woman is brought before him. This woman was caught in an act of adultery, not accused, but caught in. This is a setup, a trap. They probably followed the couple around, saw them eat, get a couple drinks, went back to a hotel and waited a few minutes, then bust down the door. They threw off the sheets and grabbed her and pulled her out of bed and left him, not fair, and brought her before Jesus. These guys bring this woman before Jesus. I'm guessing this is possibly the worst day of her life. She stands before Jesus, maybe wrapped only in a sheet. And then they start quoting scripture to Jesus, which is never a good idea. Jesus, did you know what the Bible said? Well, yeah, I wrote it. So they are quoting this scripture and telling Jesus this woman was caught in the act of adultery. And they are reminding Jesus what this woman did is a sin. And not only a sin, it is a crime and one punishable by death. Leviticus 16, anyone caught in adultery can be stoned to death. That's truth. The woman broke God's rule for sexual purity. The woman was caught breaking a law. She's blown up her marriage and probably blown up someone else's marriage in the process. She is in the wrong. Here's biblical truth. The wage of sin is death. That's in the Bible. Romans 6, you cannot argue with that. The wage of sin is death. Not just this sin, but all sin. So, these guys say to Jesus, what should we do with her? They are trying to trap him, but Jesus knows exactly what they're trying to do. Let's look at the interaction in John 8, 2 through 6. The teachers of the law and Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commands us to stone such woman. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started writing on the ground with his finger. Jesus doesn't even justify their answer yet. Instead, he just starts writing in the sand. The Bible doesn't tell us what Jesus wrote in the dirt, because that is not the point. But the more important piece is what he says next. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of those who is without sin, be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. That's what he said. But it's really important that we know what Jesus did not say. 
Because of a lot of us impose things on what Jesus said that we think should be in the Bible. Here's what he did not say. He did not look back at the crowd and say, come on, it's not really a big deal. Maybe back in old-fashioned Moses' day, but not in our first century times. We're cool. Come on, guys, it's not that big of a deal. So don't worry about it. With all the other problems in the world, do you really think this is that big of a deal? I mean, people are getting nailed to crosses every day. It's a really, is it really that big of a deal who this girl sleeps with? This isn't a big deal. Go home. That's all grace and no truth. And Jesus did not say that. Here's another thing he didn't say. Give her a break. Give her a break. It's not really her fault. You don't know her story like I do. You see, she's in a bad marriage with a guy who does not treat her well. He never, she never should have married him in the first place. Her husband doesn't treat her very well, and she's still dealing with some daddy issues. So she fell in love with a, go, a guy she met at a watering hole last night. For once, she felt good about herself, and he makes her feel happy, and he promised her these things, and she believed it. So it's not really her fault. He did not say that. He did not say, come on, we all make mistakes. She's 19. Didn't you ever make a bad decision when you were 19? He didn't say that. Maybe you wish he did, but he didn't. Jesus also did not say, you're right. She was caught in a sin, and the wages of sin is death. So let's do it. If you're looking for someone to cast the first stone, I'm in. I'll blow the whistle, and we'll go after her. Let's give her what she deserves, which is true. There's Bible verses to back it up, but that's not what he said. That's all truth and no grace, and Jesus didn't say that. What he did say was, if there's someone else in this religious crowd who hasn't committed a sin, maybe not this sin, but a sin that the Bible tells us not to do, if someone like that exists in the crowd, go ahead. By all means, throw the first stone. But watch what happens. At this point, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman standing there. Why did they go home? They were right. They had the truth on their side. They had a Bible verse to back it up. They didn't just point to the verse and step into the jury, judge, prosecutor, and executioner. What stopped them? The answer is truth. That same truth that brought them to that place where they thought they had the right to attack. What others have done wrong in their lives also stopped them dead in their tracks. When Jesus acknowledged that what they said is true, he also acknowledged another bigger truth. That truth is, if those are the rules and you want to play by them, we can play by those rules, but are you sure you want to do that? We can use the truth as a weapon to destroy other people. We can use truth to destroy her. But when you're done with her, you're next. That is truth. Everyone gets what they deserve. Anybody want to play by those rules? The whole crowd gets what they deserve. 
nope, I'm out. And the whole crowd drops their stones and went home. They wanted to condemn her with truth. But once they realized that the truth didn't just condemn her, it also condemned them, they were out. Let's be honest. You and I do this in our lives all the time. I'll use myself as an example. I can be a big hypocrite. When I see someone else make a mistake, I'm pretty quick to throw the truth at them. But when I'm the one that makes a mistake, I want people to offer me grace. I judge you with, judge with truth, but when I am being judged, I want to be judged with grace. Be honest. Isn't that what we all want? When I'm confronted with the truth that although they might be wrong, but I'm guilty too, I put down my stones and I walk away. I don't want to play by those rules because if they are guilty, I'm guilty too. Listen, that truth that you are using to condemn that person in your family or your workplace or the guy in the store, that truth will also condemn you. If you want to bring truth into picture, then everyone gets what they deserve. When we use truth as a weapon, when we pick up the stones to condemn, they ultimately ricochet and hit us back. Many of us stop reading the story here. The takeaway is nobody is perfect, so don't throw the first stone. We all make mistakes, so don't judge. But Jesus isn't done. He's not done yet. We can't ignore what Jesus says yet. In verse 10, the crowd is now gone, and it's just Jesus and the woman standing there. And this is what Jesus says. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No, sir, no one. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. This is important. This is the part of the story that often gets left out. Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. The one person in the crowd that could qualify to condemn her did not. And listen, he could have. He could have picked up that stone and done it. He could have, but he didn't. Now that's called grace. Grace is getting what you need and not what you deserve. Here's what Jesus is saying. I could condemn you, but instead I'm going to give you something better. I'm going to give you what you need, not what you deserve. But again, the conversation isn't over yet, because Jesus is loving, because Jesus wants what's best for her. He can't just leave it there, so he says, go and sin no more. In other words, from now on, you can't do this anymore. You can't live your life like this anymore. What was she doing? She was living a life apart from what God says was best for her. She was sinning. Jesus is telling her, I could condemn you, but I won't. Because I want something better for you. But you've got to stop. You've got to stop living your life that way. Because it's not the best I have for you. Jesus offered this woman grace. And he offers us grace too. Paul makes it very clear in 2 Corinthians 12 that no matter what we've done, no matter how bad our sins, that God's grace is big enough to cover it. Jesus' grace covers you. 
But grace is not permission to keep on sinning. Listen, some of us in this room that are doing something we know we shouldn't be, and we've been doing it for a long time, we've let this sin live in our lives. Jesus doesn't want to condemn you. He's not going to use the truth to throw stones. If you were to lean into Jesus, here is what he would say to you. I'm going to give you what you need, not what you deserve. Because I want something better for you. But you've got to stop. You've got to stop living your life this way. Because it is not the best I have for you. So let me ask you. Are you accepting God's grace in your life to cover your mistakes? Or are you trying to fix them yourselves? Are you listening to God's truth in your life? Or using grace to get away with sin? How about this? When you encounter someone that is caught up in something wrong, how do you interact with them? Do you offer them grace and truth? Or do you only offer them one? Here's what my life looks like. I manage people. If there's anyone who doesn't know, I work at Rocky Mountain Equipment in the sales manager position. My job is trying to motivate, to encourage, to push, to teach my salesmen to sell as much equipment as possible. I am constantly trying to find the balance in this. In efforts to try to motivate, I sometimes manage with a little more truth than grace. I want to push them, tell them where they can improve, where they've missed opportunities, where they are falling short. Other times, I may lean a little bit more towards grace. I totally get it when he didn't want to make that second call to the ornery farmery. I know they were a little distracted because they had a baby at home and they need a little more slack. A few years ago, I had an employee that I knew I had to let go, but I also knew that he had financial problems at home and a young family to provide for. Grace is a little easier for me in the short term. But when corporate comes calling and they want to know why the numbers are down, they aren't interested in all my reasons why. In a perfect balance of truth and grace, I am pushing them. But I am also being compassionate, considering their life circumstances, but still being clear and firm in the expectations that I have for them in the company. Without truth, I don't demand the best from my team. I may even set them up for losing their own jobs down the line. But without grace, I would become rigid, uncaring, and someone that no one would want to work with or for. I sometimes get this right, or pretty close, but most of the time, I find myself swinging between two, just trying to find that sweet spot. We need to follow what Jesus modeled. If you look back at the interaction, you notice Jesus first offered the woman grace and then told her the truth. In that order, it's a good model for us to follow. Offer people grace and then tell them the truth. Not in a condemning way, but in a, I want it what is best for you. When someone in your life is caught in sin, you need to pour grace into their lives but don't forget to tell them the truth. When your kids disobey you for the thousandth time, they need to know the truth, but 
they also desperately need grace before they can hear that truth. When you find out your coworker is talking behind your back, you've got to approach them full of grace, but you also need to tell them the truth. Let's offer people grace when they screw up. Then let's tell people the truth, not to condemn, but out of love because we want what is best for them. We cannot shy away from the truth and cannot be stingy on our grace. We must be full of grace and truth. Jesus, in this story, perfectly displays that he is full of grace and truth. And here's the application for us today. We need to be two. We've got to be full of grace and truth. So what does that mean? It means this. Because I love you, I must tell you the truth. If you love someone, you have to tell them the truth. If you believe that God's way is the best way in our lives, then we need to tell them the truth. But what most of us say is because I love you, I'm just going to let you do what you want. Now that's not love. That's not love because I love you, I must offer you grace. Because God loved us, he sent us Jesus so that we could have grace. Jesus came so that we could be saved from the untruth that is in our life. Because I love you, I must offer you grace. That has to be the mindset of Christians. Because I love you, I must offer you grace and truth. When asked what the greatest commandment is, Jesus said, love God, love others. All Christians are called to love God with all of their hearts. And out of the overflow of that love for God, we love people. And we love, and with the love he first had for us. The best expression of love is found in that balance between grace and truth. This love starts inside of these walls. We need to be telling each other the truth and offering grace to each other. But here's what normally happens instead. We either tell the truth or we offer grace. Maybe you struggle to tell someone the truth when you see sin in their life. Maybe you are the opposite. Maybe you have a problem pointing to the truth, but you don't do the grace part. We need both. When we see sin in Christians, we must call it out. We've got to say, you know what? What you're doing is not okay, and here's why. It's not God's best for you, but Jesus is offering you grace so you can get past this. I'm not here to condemn, I'm here to help. It's not saying I'm going to throw stones, I'm not going to judge, I'm not going to condemn. I'm going to give you grace and then tell you truth because I love you. There's a belief floating around culture today, and that is if you disagree with someone, you don't love them. This is simply just not true. You don't have to agree with someone on every issue to love them. In fact, you can point out something that is sin in people's lives and do it out of love. Not telling them something that they are wrong is not love and respect. It's the opposite of that. That's what Jesus is calling us to do, to love each other full of grace and truth. It starts inside these walls, but it does not end here. 
We've got to take this expression outside of these walls. Our co-workers, our friends, our neighbours, or the homeless on the corner. The kids in our school, the strangers at our store, and the people around the world who need to know this love. They need to know the truth and that they are offered grace. That is our mission. In John 3.16, we are told that God loved the world so much he sent his son. Why? So that we may know truth and so that we could have grace. Before Jesus ascended into heaven, he told us to go around the world and tell others what he told us. Jesus came full of grace and truth. Jesus points us to, to the truth. Here's the best way for your life. Anything short of that is a sin. And Jesus offers us grace in our mistakes. Not a get-out-of-hell card, free card, but a way back into a relationship with him. Many of us in this room lean towards truth. We use truth to condemn people, often including ourselves. Even though we are right, and we've got a Bible verse to back it up, that is not love. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't leave you to the consequences of your sin? Now, many of us in this room lean too far towards grace. We excuse our actions and other people's actions. It's not a big deal. Jesus will forgive you. I can do that. I want you. I, I want who you are to judge. Aren't you glad that Jesus wants what is best for you? That's why he points us towards truth. That's why he tells us to go and sin no more. Because he wants what is best for us. Amen.